0: interesting fact if you're unfamiliar with the World Mission Society Church of God is the fact that they believe not only that this mother God exists but they believe right that she is alive right that she literally is in Korea it's a Korean woman um, and her name is Zong Gil Ja so you can literally go to the internet get on Google type in mother God Korea and it'll pop up a picture of this woman, Korean woman, who they literally believe is Yahweh God, uh, the mother God, part of Yahweh God, in the flesh, living in Korea. Um, and so it's, it's a little bizarre, but that is what they believe. Um, so right, right with that, immediately, when we consider what the Bible says about who God is and what it would look like for Him to be on this earth... Uh, that should throw up some red flags immediately. Um, but where where do they get this from? Um, one, of, one of the places that they get this idea from, and obviously it comes from, when we get down to it, it comes from terrible uh, interpretation of, of scriptures. And so... One of those, uh, they they kind of their beginning of the argument for for this idea of, uh, that there is a mother god comes from Genesis 1, 26 through twenty seven, and so we're going to kind of take there's there's a couple verses that we're gonna we're gonna uh, talk about really quickly that uh, that they use to argue for the
1: existence of mother god. So, what are you the one who has Genesis Genesis one uh, verse twenty six and twenty seven. Then God said, let us make human beings or man in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings or man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so in in that they, they use that to try to distinguish between Adam and Eve. Um, God being man is Christ and, and the female as mother God. Um, so I think first thing we need to do is step back and, and see why um, Eve was, was created, why it's both of them. So, so first you're saying basically that what
0: they do with that is they take it and they say, okay, look, God said he's creating man in his image. And when he created man in his own image... He created he a, a male and a female. So, so there's a
1: male and a female so, God. So
0: they're saying, look, if they were in His image, that means that the image of God consists of both male and female. Therefore, there must be a mother God.
1: Yeah. yeah. And so um, going back to the fact that since since Adam was created first and then woman, and, and God's saying it's not good for man to be alone uh, because he cannot reproduce on his own. He needed a helper. He needed somebody else. They can help him reproduce God's image, and so um, going from there, uh, I want to look at uh, verse 27. It says, "So God created human beings in in His own image, in the image of God He created them, male and female He created them. If if there is a mother God and there or there is two, then why the singular pronunciation of of, of the masculine in it? So he's saying it shouldn't read."
0: Male and female, he created them. It should have. It should have said male and female. They, as in they, as in uh, God, fa- God the Father and God the Mother. They created them, male and female. But it says he created them. So yeah. So yeah, we're going to go through these quickly. But that's the, uh, some of these bullet points about what they say about Mother God and and refuting that. But uh, but that's a pretty obvious point of why um that this is not talking that that reference is not talking about a mother god and and really it's just a terrible uh interpretation of that scripture to to get that from there. Did you have
2: thoughts on that? It's just the again to make sure everyone's on the same page here, they are not just saying we believe in uh god as Christians do. We believe in god and god has a kind of we can think of god in dual ways. We can think of him as a father or as a mother. That is not what they're saying. They are polytheistic in the sense that when when I ask them how many gods do you believe in, they say two. We believe in multiple gods is what they will say. There are two distinct gods, which again, what really the distinguishing factor of uh, really the uh, Abrahamic Abrahamic religions, if you want to call them that, the Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, is the monotheistic that Christians, and really I don't like to categorize Christianity with Judaism and uh, Islam, but we are mono meaning there is only one god there's only ever been one god that is what distinguishes that's the bible teaching through and through that's the old testament teaching that's what distinguished israel from the other nations who believed in all kinds of different pagan gods and multiple gods and goddesses what distinguished israel is no there's one singular god and now what they're saying is no there's two, there's a God the Father and a God the Mother, yeah. co-equal, and so many, both Old Testament and New Testament verses, saying there's one God, one God, one God, and more than just saying there's one God, there are verses saying there is no other, yeah. there are no other gods before me, no other gods after me, I alone, the word alone, again, yeah. I alone stretched out the heavens, is what Isaiah will say, God alone who does this, so there are I recognize the word Elohim is a plural word. They'll use that argument. Elohim in the Hebrew is, is uh, again, you see that again in the again, Old Testament, and it me- translates to, to God's, literally, which is actually, I think, more of a argument for a Trinitarian view of God because, as you mentioned, Chris, nowhere is it Elohim, plural, we, created, uh, they created, uh, throughout the whole Old Testament, uh, the sentence structure always demands that it's translated as a singular, uh, again, pronoun, personal pronoun, however you want to put that. He did it. He, it's always individual. It's always singular. There's never that multiple we, uh, or multiple gods. They, as you were saying, Jordan, who, who, uh, did the work.
0: Yeah. So the next one, the next scripture that they really like to go to, to, uh, to, to, to make a biblical argument or an unbiblical argument. They try to use the Bible. But the next big one they that we're going to cover is Revelation 21, 9 through 10. And I think you got that reference pulled up. Yep.
2: So Revelation 21, uh, 9 and 10 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, come i will show you the bride the lamb's wife and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city the holy jerusalem descending out of heaven from god clearly that's mother god right <laughs> i mean so again the question is how how do you arrive at that point right so you read these two verses it's talking about the bride the lamb's wife and their interpretation is this is mother god this is Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and I
1: was just say, yeah, the, and but there's a the problem in that as, as well is that they're saying that the lamb, the son, is married to the bride, Mother God. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's a yeah. That's an issue.
2: Yeah. So you've got the Father God, the Mother God. Then you've got the Son, and the Son is having relationship with married, the Mother. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which
0: that's a problem. Yeah. So so basically, for those who are unfamiliar with their usage of this passage. This is talking about, in Revelation, it's a prophecy, and it's saying the bride, there's the bride of the Lamb, who we know in Revelation, the Lamb is Christ. And they're saying, uh, come, I will show you the bride, And so they say, that's Mother God, the bride is Mother God, and he uh, carried me away in the spirit to a great great and high mountain, showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven um, and and pretty much dressed as a bridegroom prepared for her wedding. And so they say that is, I just want to make it clear for those who for those who aren't familiar with this argument that they're saying the holy city of Jerusalem that those aren't a reference to what the commonly held view is that you know it's the church, um, but it's they're saying that's a reference to Mother God, um, and you can probably see so far you know it's pretty easy. I don't know if you guys agree with me that the arguments biblical the Bible based arguments that they use are pretty. Um, What would you call them? Yeah, I'd
3: I'd say they're really weak because when you some of the stuff I'm seeing on their website is They're quoting one verse and then when I go look at the whole chapter it contradicts their view of that verse Like in a
0: couple verses. I'd say it's
3: very weak because they it's not even in context It's not even close weak, but
2: I think something else to keep in mind is they're weak, but they're also incredibly slight of hand and I don't know if this methodological, I don't know if that's the word, Um, but so I remember we asked them the question, show us from revelation, show me from revelation, how you know that the bride of Christ here is mother God. Where is that in revelation? And, And anytime you ask them a question, they've got a script and they run that script and that script from our standpoint is use an average of five, 10 minutes from our experience yeah. with them. Um, but the script is they're going to go to this verse, which says this. And if this verse says this, and then they go to this verse and they tie this verse and this verse together. If these say this, and then this verse from here says this, yeah. therefore mother God. Yeah. And it's this real, again, um, there's a method and it's incredibly sleight of hand because after the five minutes, you're like,
0: it's, o- it's almost like y- they, y- <laughs> I mean, in a, you know, to put physical terms, it was almost like the way i f- felt when we sat through their, yeah. again, very well planned out uh, system of, of how they're proving Mother God. It's almost like they make you dizzy. Yep, yeah. they Just, disorient you. They disorient you in the Bible, really, because it's like, there's that, there's that, and then let's jump over here and jump over there. Yeah. And again, like Shim said, and now look, Mother God, and you're kind of like, well, like in a spirit, <laughs> yeah. like staggering, like, oh, well, okay, I guess you're right or something. Yeah. That's almost the, the feeling I got, yeah. and it, it is, it's uh, it's deceptive, it's a Terrible use of the Bible and a terrible way to interpret the scriptures, and just so dishonest in in how they handle it. Um, And so, Jesse, I know you looked into this. We talked about this pretty recently. Who is the Holy City, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven?
3: Yeah. So, can I lead into Galatians because I think that goes perfectly? So to it carries on. They'll go from there. They'll either do this one first than that or whatever. But um, so in Galatians four. Um, Where are we at here? Galatians 4.26. Well, let me start at 23. Um, Oh, yeah. So what they do, sorry, is they go to Galatians 4.26. They say, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. So I've literally had them do this to me um, in the mall that they'll just go right to that verse and they'll say, so, and then they'll jump to the next you know, revelation or whatever it is, they'll go away. Um, so in in context, well, obviously what they're saying is here, it says she's our mother, case in point. How do you even deny that? Yeah, so it's
0: like, look, the poll right here
3: said- Literally said she's it, our mother. Is our
0: mother- we must have yeah. a mother God who, who is our <laughs> exactly. spiritual mother. Yeah, like and you can't Father
3: deny God. it because he wrote "mother." Yeah. Um, so then, the the interesting part about this one is that uh, from if you back up twenty three, but the son, um, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through the promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. So Paul, right before, says this is an allegory. And this is two covenants. So Paul's explaining what this is, and it's very clear. And I uh, I thought we had tried to talk on that with them before. Yeah. Um, so this is just another uh, thing they go to when it comes to the mother where you need to stop and challenge everything they're showing you in context. Yep. And and don't even, as we talk about how they get you disoriented and they go around, I think uh, something with love and gentleness would be to say, wait, stop. Can we read this? I want to understand it better. Don't let, don't let them carry on. Stay there. And so here you would be able to say, it says allegorically. Well, I wonder why Paul said it's an allegory. Yep.
0: So he's... He makes it clear, like Galatians, nobody would argue that Galatians is an issue of faith versus works. Yeah. And now Paul is using Hagar and Sarah as a spiritual analogy to say, Hagar represents works of the law, which Galatians, you know, the, the, the church in Galatia was being tempted to go back to and to try to work, to do works and to observe different uh, laws and rules and regulations to earn righteousness. And so in Galatians, again, nobody disagrees that the whole issue is faith versus works. And so when he says here that these women, uh, that that this story of Hagar and Sarah of Ishmael and Isaac, this is to be taken allegorically or metaphorically or it's an it's a spiritual metaphor again. It's, It's, this isn't a literal thing where you have a literal mother. This is a, there's a spiritual connotation to what I'm saying. And again, the discussion in Galatians is faith versus works. So he says, so so I'm saying this for again mainly for those who are in the church and for those who are being taught this. I think it's important that we yep. focus in a, bit, a little bit on this. But he clearly says one of these women represents Sinai, yep. the other represents uh, corresponds to the present Jerusalem, which is freedom. Which okay, so what does that mean? The 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 one Sarah who they say. Um, in this is is the heavenly Jerusalem, they say that's a reference to mother God. That's in no way is a reference to mother God in Galatians four, that's a reference, a spiritual analogy of faith. That's a spiritual analogy of the people of God, the children of Abraham, those who relate to God on the basis of faith. Yep. And and so according to the promise, not of the flesh. So according to this, it's the new covenant is our mother. The new covenant, which, which is, uh, relating to God, er, getting righteousness on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ, and, and the old uh, and Hagar. Uh, Mount Sinai is a spiritual picture of, of trying to relate to God on the basis of works of the law. This has absolutely nothing, right, to do with Mother God. Absolutely nothing. Yeah.
3: And if in context, I don't know if that's where you're going earlier. Um, if you want to apply this whole New Jerusalem thing to the New Testament be like, well, then what in the world is John talking about in Revelation? And I think we had gone on that as there's a few different places that actually lead up to this. Ephesians being one of them talking about but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of god built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And then you get in Corinthians talking about we're the temple of God. So if you want to read it in context with the whole New Testament, they've already been preaching about us being the temple, being built on the cornerstone. And so to you, if you walk at it with proper Bible hermeneutics, you're just like, oh yeah, that makes sense but if you're grabbing two two things and putting them together it also is very deceptive yep
0: what's what's interesting too and so right now we're we're still focused on uh, the revelation, right, where the there's the great high mountain that, that uh, the spirit took John up on and showed him the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And this is the bride who's going to be married to the lamb, who is Jesus. So the question we're answering is, who is this? Because the, the, the church of God would say that's a reference to mother God. We're saying it's not. And what Jesse just communicated is, you know, you know all the scriptures, right, in the New Testament, where the people of God are said to be like God's, God's, temple. We're the temple of the Holy yeah. Spirit. And we're bride. God's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're the bride of Christ, obviously. Another interesting thing when you consider the Old Testament prophets and stuff is, is how often God speaks to Israel, to his people, really. He speaks to his people as his bride, right? And he, when they're being rebellious and sinful, he says, you're being like a, a, an adulterous wife. You're being an unfaithful wife. And so the holy city, city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, to be married to Christ is the people of God. That's a, again, that's a spiritual representation of God's people who are God's building. It's the people of God who make up the holy city, Jerusalem. Um, So.
3: Yeah, Yeah. that's good. And that's just another example of when uh, you don't have to add anything in. Mm -hmm. So me as a new Christian, I can read Revelation and be like, what? the what new Jerusalem and, and the bride of the lamb. So then as a new Christian, I can go, okay, now I'm just going to study the new Testament and see what it says about these things. And what I'll come up with is the body and the body. Yep. Like it's the body of Christ.
0: So let's go again. we're going to cover uh, the next point we're going to cover about mother God is that they say mother God is the mystery of mysteries pretty much. So let's real quick. Let's go to uh Colossians one We'll be in Colossians one twenty seven, then two, two, and and i'm going to read a quote this is a quote off of their the uh one of their websites um where they say the existence of the female image of god is considered the mystery of
2: mysteries so Go to the Bible and figure out what is the mystery? Who is the mystery? We see that term used in the New Testament, the mystery. And so what do we want to do, right? We want to just understand biblically. I don't want to listen to what somebody else is trying to tell me. I want to know what does the Bible say about who is the mystery? What is this mystery the Bible talks about? And is there a specific and clear answer? So that's what I would want to know. Uh, is there anywhere we can go to find that? So first place, as you said, we in Colossians 1, 20. Seven. Yep. So 26 and 27. So um, the mystery, which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Interesting. It was revealed 2000 years ago, not yeah. 30 years ago with Christ on Song Hong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this, this mystery was revealed a couple thousand years ago to them. Verse 27, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Mm. Uh, nothing about mother God whatsoever in, in any of that. Yeah. That's
0: good. So the next one is Colossians 2.2. 2. Go ahead. You probably have that pulled up, right?
3: Yeah. Colossians 2.2. 2, um, I'll just read it. Yeah. Um, that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. That's a little too obvious.
0: (laughs) He he couldn't really get any more clear where he says God does have a mystery. They're right. There is a mystery that God has. God, you know, there's been mysteries that he's hidden. But when Jesus came, uh, that was, he was right. He's the light of the world. He said he came into the world to give light. And so he's the light that reveals the mystery of God. He is the rev- the revealed mystery of yeah. God and there's nothing else. You know, if you bring another mystery and say God still has more stuff to him, it's almost again that's that's going back to what all cults do is that they ultimately they're detracting from the person of Christ. It's coming forth from a a lack of knowing yeah. the reality of who Jesus is, who he said he was, who the apostles knew him and 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 knew him to be and preached him to be. Um, that, that God says he does have a mystery, and that mystery is Jesus. Again, he, uh, there's darkness. There's been some darkness and a uh, uh, lack of understanding about the things of God, about how righteousness works, about how, how do people become God's people and whatnot. And Jesus came and lightened up the room, and he, he made that clear, who God is, what he's like, what his character is, what he requires of us. He, he, he eliminated the mystery, because he is the revelation of the mystery of God. And so so it, it's, it's so, really, it's blasphemous, I mean, to, to put it uh, truthfully. That sounds like intense and religious or whatever, maybe, but it's true. It, it's like it's, you can't really get any more defaming and, and denying of the name of Jesus than to to have Paul saying, Jesus is the mystery, God's exalting his son above everything else and everyone else. And then 2000 years later, these people come and say, it's, you've had your turn. Jesus pretty much like get down and take a a second or third position and let's put mother God up here. She now, she's the mystery. Um, It's just, you can't do that. And it's,
2: and just real quick, not going to dive into this one, but uh, if if you really want to look more into this whole mystery, Ephesians chapter 3, the whole chapter really is a uh, an explanation and understanding of, of what is the mystery. And one verse out of that, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, talking about what the mystery is. The mystery that the Gentile should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel Uh, So the historical context, salvation was the Jews, right? And they were the chosen nation of God and they had the law and they had the prophets and the Gentiles Kind of got the short end of the stick, right? And now what Paul is saying is, this mystery has been hidden. Now it's all one in Christ. The gospel is to the Jews. The gospel is to the Gentiles. That middle wall of separation has been broken down in Christ. In Christ, there is one new man. There's no longer uh, male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. It's all one in Christ. And again, if you can, if you can honestly. Read Ephesians chapter three or Colossians chapter two. If you can honestly read that and at the end of it walk away thinking, "Wow, Mother God, the mystery!" Like you said earlier, it's just so dishonest um, and frustrating when you when you read it for yourself and hear where they're getting these arguments, and you're just like, "I just don't understand how you could be so dishonest with what this what this is saying,
3: or even saying to them." I would because one thing they said when we went to their Bible study was. Um, he said, wouldn't you agree that there's scriptures that have you know, more than one meaning, yep. right? And so uh, they would probably say that to this, and I would just ask, uh, dishonest on their side, I would say, well, he's literally giving you the answer. Here's the mystery. So is Paul being dishonest to me or are you being dishonest to right. me? Which right. one? Because he, it's not, this isn't confusing. This is yeah. like laid out right in front of me. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and their mystery, Mother God, really was revealed in the, was it the 60s or the 80s? I forget when Ansong yeah. Song yeah. Hong was around, yeah. but really revealed in the last 40, 50 years, yeah. right? So their mystery was revealed then. Again, Paul is saying when he writes this letter to the Ephesians, to the Colossians, the mystery has been revealed revealed now here's the mystery it's jesus christ and so to go to the bible and say here's the mystery it's mother god i just how do you how do you do that it's it's yeah it's a very dishonest way to to read the bible yeah
0: so the next thing to cover um that they would say about Mother God is that she is the source of life. Um, And and there's a lot of quotes that, as I've been looking on the website, I think um, that what they will say and what they will communicate is that it's Mother God who is the source, basically, of spiritual life. That spiritual life comes from her, and she is the one who has to give it. Um, and so Jesse, you had.
3: I'll just read the words of Jesus um, himself. He said in uh, John 11, um, John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me. Uh, though he die yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this talking to this um, woman so jesus right there is obviously saying i'm the life believe in me there's nobody else you need to believe in nobody's coming later that is going to take my position that you're like okay now i'm going to switch and believe in that person it's just me and then you get in um the other one I think was in First John uh, is what I had noticed. First John two twenty five. They quote and they say this was uh, this was them proclaiming. Here, let me find it if I can. Sorry guys, had it right here. First John um, two twenty five. <laughs> This is right. yep. and this is what the promise this is what he promised us eternal life so they say as they quote this on their website this is what they promised and well if you keep reading in john john 5:11, he uh we find out what eternal life is eternal life is the gift from god in the son talking about jesus and then colossians 3 4 um talking about now that you have died to your old self you are now in Christ who is your life so so there's a multiple scriptures that are, are telling us where our eternal life is coming from and there's even scripture of Jesus saying I give them eternal life yep. so obviously as a uh, Bible-believing Christian when I when I read something on the website saying um, you can only have eternal life through your spiritual mother um, I'm going to say, well, Jesus disagreed with
0: that. Yeah. this In the in the last video, actually, we are talking about the gospel, and the, all of this really is uh, yeah. a discussion about the gospel. Yeah. But, but I want to read again Galatians, that what Paul says, he, he says, I'm astonished to the Galatians. I'm astonished you're deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ. You're turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And so again, this goes back to Paul and the Apostles and Jesus himself gave us the gospel. They gave us the one gospel message. They said, here it is, this is the gospel. And what part of that gospel looked like was what you just said was Jesus himself saying, I, I am the life, and Paul and Colossians then saying, Christ who is your life. Like you do have a spiritual life. You do have a source of life, and that life is Christ. Let's consider what Paul says in that and Galatians 1, where he says, if anybody comes and preaches another gospel, well, what would another gospel look like? Yeah. What, what He says, even if an angel comes and preaches something different, yeah. well, how much more different could you get than saying, you know, Jesus saying, I am the life, I'm the one who gives life. And then someone coming along about 2,000 years later and saying, no, Mother God is the one who yeah. gives life. She's the one who gives spiritual life. That is, that's, ex- you know, that's exactly what Paul's talking about when he says, if anybody who's saying something different, preaching another message, bringing a different gospel, that is, uh, that's exactly what that is. That is another message. That is another gospel. We have Paul and Jesus saying that he is the source of life. And then we have the World Mission Society Church of God saying, no, Mother God is the source of life. So what, I mean, again- and where
3: they're quoting it from is what just catches my eye. If, that, yeah, if yeah. this website, if this is the true, you know, this is the, the authority, the teaching, and you're going to quote out of a letter that later, three chapters later, says Jesus is the gift of eternal life. So it's like, it's just messy. It's yep. messy. And that's going to be messy when you have something as sound as the Bible and you try to change the meaning of it. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to work. Yep. Yeah.
0: And so Paul kind of tells us in Galatians too of what what to do with that. If you have a different gospel, I mean, he says, let them be accursed. Yeah. He... he He doesn't—he's not uh, really—he's not gray. There's no gray area in there. It's like if it's a different message than the one we preached, then it's no message at all. It's not good news at all. It's a false gospel. And and so— so I think that's what, you know, we can encourage people with this to, or that you gotta, like, I think Shem's been emphasizing is like, you hear this stuff, you go back to the Bible and say, okay, well, what does it actually say? And, and you cannot come up with the concepts and the ideas and the theologies that they come up with unless you just very, very uh, dishonestly interpret
2: yeah, the Bible. Yeah. yeah, you know, I can have almost any idea in my head get an idea, and then run to the Bible and find some kind of verse somewhere and support that idea. You can do that with with a lot of books, honestly, and the Bible being a large book with a lot of diverse (laughs) teachings from different people and different cultures. And uh, we can get an idea and run to the Bible and find something to try to support that idea. Uh, the, The honest thing to do is go to the Bible and just... Pull out what is it actually saying? And so for anyone watching this and for us too, I guess the the question is do we do we want to know what is true? You know, do we really want the truth? Do we really want to go or are we so convinced that all we can do at this point is only find what supports what we think. Yeah. And I hope I never get to that point. I yeah. hope, hope I never arrive to a point where I'm so convinced that all I don't hear, I won't talk to anyone. All I will ever do is run two things that support my view as opposed to always being honest and and wanting God's truth and wanting what God reveals and what he has said um so again, that just that honest. Let's pull out from the Bible what it teaches, as opposed to let's get an idea and see does the Bible support that yep, idea
3: exactly. And that's what's happening. That that's why this is out of love is because we see the God of the Bible. We see what all these letters and books are preaching, and then we're being told by these uh, this church a different idea. Yeah. That's so it's out of love that we're saying the Bible preaches this God. You're telling me from this select. Uh, collection of verses that it's actually this god yeah. so we're just yeah. or these yeah exactly or these gods and so we're just honestly saying well then can you help prove it to me because the bible seems to just disregard your teaching yeah. yeah so
0: the other thing that they would say about mother god is that she is the source of living water basically that she is the one who gives living water and that's that's a big deal for them as living water to them is equivalent to eternal life that only Mother Mother God is can give eternal life, and so only Mother God uh, can. Did I, I think I said that backwards? Only Mother God can give living water, which means only Mother God can give eternal life. Yeah. So, Chris, um, who who biblically gives living water? What what would you say to that?
1: Jesus would be the one that gives the the living water. Yeah, and you have John. What do you have pulled? Uh, Thirty eight. 7:38. Um, there's actually th- I would like to read 3738 and a little portion of 39 um, because I think even going into John 4 with the woman at the well, but this would really take care of a, a lot of the issues. Um, so in John uh, starting or, uh, verse 38 of chapter 7, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, "Anyone who is thirsty may come to me." And I think that right off the bat, that's interesting that Jesus says anyone who's thirsty is coming to him, not anyone else to him. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Again, uh, we're getting that source. He's offering it from himself. Um, For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Um, and then in verse 39, when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit. And the reason I, th- I picked that portion too is, and find it important is because uh, when he says living waters, he was speaking of the Spirit. Um, it also um, contradicts them, again, saying that it's from God the Mother. It's the Spirit. He's going to give you the Spirit. He's going to give you that living water and place that inside you. But the only place you can get it, and this, this, this stops... I think any other anything that they could proclaim from where living water is coming from is jesus literally saying they come to me
0: Mm -hmm. it that just immediately makes me think of like how much more irresponsible could jesus have been and the apostles have been and what they said what they taught you know it's like only mother god to to the church of god they say only mother god can give living water how irresponsible it was for Jesus to only direct people's attention to him as a source of living water as a source of eternal life when really it's his mother ultimately who we needed to be looking to and looking at so um so the last thing which is really kind of goes is kind of in a sense a repeat um of what we just said what we've been saying but who the question is who gives eternal life and so again to the world mission society church of god it is Mother God who gives eternal life, and here's a quote from their website. Um, and then we're going to look at we're going to look at John six, uh, kind of to wrap up this this discussion here. We'll go to John six and, and kind of end this. But uh, a quote off their website it says, "God grants us the promised eternal life only after we know and believe in God the Mother." Uh, and then another quote. Um, is right here it says she alone uh, can give us eternal life um, is another quote off their website and so obviously their ideas are very clear it's very straightforward it's very black and white to them it's not basically Jesus cannot save you. I mean, if you get down to what they teach, Jesus is not enough to save you. Um, Jesus cannot accomplish salvation for you. He just, if you go to Jesus for salvation, uh, he can't, he can't do what you need. He can't provide what you need. Um, And that's just terribly wrong, um, obviously. But, uh, What are, what do you have, you have John 6 there. Uh,
2: So John 6 has some pretty specific statements where Jesus will say, uh, John 6, 39, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that all, of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. Verse 40, this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. Uh, I think a real. I mean, there's so many verses throughout John with that you see that concept of eternal life talked about again and again and again. It is only ever in Jesus uh, where that's found. First John chapter five. uh, I think this is just such a clear and specific explanation, not only of the definition of what is eternal life, but where it's found. So John, uh, first John, sorry, chapter five, verse ten. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. So where is eternal life found? Where is life found? How do we know that we have eternal life? How can we be 100% confident and assured? It's when we believe in the Son of God, in the name. And even when we continue, that you may continue. So not 2000 years ago, believe in the name of the son of God. Oh, Hey, FYI, in about 1950 years, you're going to have to switch that and start believing yeah. in mother God, but you need to continue, continue to believe in the name of the son of, of God, which is where you can inject
0: again, Paul saying, if somebody else comes and says, believe in somebody else, I mean, pa- Paul said that he made it clear for us. There is really Paul. And that once that one's few verses in Galatians left there to be no argument. There really is no argument. There really is no like uh, legitimate debate between Christianity and the world, mission society, church of God. The only argument would come from deception and lies because Paul made it super clear where there is no need to sit and consider whether Salvation should be uh, found in mother God or not. Because yeah. Paul already made that clear when he gave us the gospel yeah. of Jesus and said any other gospel is a false one.
3: Yeah, yeah. Which uh, and it just shows the difference too because we, you get Mormons, Jehovah Witness, uh, Muslims, they can at least grab their book or their different Bible yeah. and yeah. say, well, the reason yours says that is because it's corrupted. Uh, but these guys literally carry around the NIV or the King James Bible and they haven't done anything to it. And um, so that's why I love that his word has not perished. His word has not fallen away. So therefore it stands for itself. Yeah.
0: They have a uphill battle around the Bible and trying to to hold on to these doctrines that they have. So do you have any thoughts on Jesus being
1: eternal life? He is. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Way the truth of the life, right there, yeah, sums yeah. it up. Yeah. Well,
3: in and, and 54, I just think it's fun to, to go back to, so, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, multiple things there. I'm the life. And then also just in connection to that Passover stuff, just that, that's what they did. They killed the, the lamb, they put the blood on the door, they went in and they ate the lamb. And so just, I love that there's so much prophecy pointing to Jesus and what the foreshadows of the Messiah here.
0: What I would what I would say at this point, again, I think for, for people in the church who I pray are listening to this discussion and for people that are uh, considering the church who maybe you've been invited to a Bible study and you've gone and or maybe you're looking into this more you have questions about it is this something I should get into what I'd say again is I want you to consider first that they what we're, we've been showing here is that they put mother God up and they say she alone is a source of eternal life right she alone is the source of living water she is God's mystery and then you have the Bible never saying that once, not one time does it say that, but, but you have the Bible clearly saying Jesus is the mystery, Jesus is eternal life, Jesus is the source of living water. So what I I'd, would what I'd want people to consider as they're wrestling with these ideas and thoughts, as they're contemplating whether this church is legitimate or not, to consider, again, the idea of how much more irresponsible could Jesus and the apostles have been to have left that out. Why would Jesus have constantly directed all the attention to him saying, I am living water. I am eternal life. I am the way. I am the salvation. I'm all you need. You need nobody else. And then Paul's saying, if somebody else teaches something different, don't listen to them. How much more irresponsible could they be yeah. Th- yeah. Th- than to leave out what they left out? <laughs> yeah. If Mother God is so important for salvation, yeah. uh, they should have mentioned it if yeah. they cared about us or even said here's yeah. the
3: mystery mother right. god yeah. Yeah.
0: which i yeah. think the obvious conclusion to that is it's yeah. just not the case yep.
3: how as you're
2: saying how irresponsible how deceptive god would be if yeah. what they're saying is true yeah. that just it's just to think of if what they're saying is true then we have a god who is deceptive right because saying all this stuff very clearly only Jesus only one God God alone did this there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved um, and then suddenly to have all this different idea where look if you want to be saved you've got to do the Sabbath you've got to do Passover you've got to believe in mother God you've got a They've got a whole list of yeah. stuff. You've got to do, 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 do. Like, wait a minute. But you said, right? So, what a deceptive God it would be if, if what they're saying is true. And then the last thing I want to say here is, you know, when you read an email or a text message, or I know this is the 21st century, but a letter yeah. <laughs> you read it for its plain sense meaning, right? Meaning, uh, a greeting is a greeting. Hey, how's it going? I hope everything's going well for you. A question is a question, right? And a story in that message or that email is a story and figurative language is figurative language, right? Yeah. If someone says in the message in the email, something like, uh, uh, we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Or you can be like, oh my gosh, they threw a baby out of the bathtub. Yeah. That's so terrible. I'm going to call SRS on them, right? No, you, you understand figurative language. You understand analogies and metaphors and comparisons and stories. And you read it for its plain sense meaning. We would do such a disjustice to take someone's message email letter text whatever and to do what people do with the bible and that's not just world mission society church of god that's a lot of people will take this again having a concept and try and fit it in let's squeeze it in here somewhere um what a dishonest disjustice thing it is to do to the person who wrote that letter or that message right let's let's honor them and read it for the intended purpose. Yeah. And you know what, if they put in a mystery in there and they put a little puzzle in that we need to solve, let's do it, right? But if they give us the explicit answer, yeah. let's listen to their answer and not come up with our own. Yeah.
3: So I think, uh, just real quick, if I could say one more thing, and I think all of us would agree, our challenge to somebody who's in this church Um, is the same that we would say to Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, Muslims is are you trusting the testimony of the Word of God? Are you trusting the testimony of a man? You know and that and that's and are you have you legitimately uh, told yourself I'm gonna follow the truth where it leads? Really ask yourself that and and I, I just would hope that that would cause a lot of young men and women to think actually i haven't, and i 'm going to do it now, and you know yeah
1: because yeah. it's not too late you know they you just exactly. you're not in too deep you're yeah. not in too far yeah. you can you can get out of this, yeah. and they need to every, all of them need to know that that yeah. it's not it's not too late
3: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, and
0: that's actually like this is this is what we say when when we talk to Mormons and, and stuff like that is that we. We don't do this because we want to take away faith in God. We don't want to take away that aspect is so important to to the Mormon community, the Mormon Mormon way of life, and Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses, and, and there's so much sincerity there. And so our goal here is not to take away faith, but we say what we're saying is, look, there is a there is actual living water, right, to be that we can drink. And I think all of us here, we've tasted it, and it's good. And Mother God cannot give that. And Christ, Ong Sang Hong, cannot give that living water. And, and and if you pursue that, you will not get the living water and the fulfillment and the peace and the joy in your soul that you so long for. But what we want to urge you to do is come to Jesus, right? Come to Jesus. Uh, turn away from the false god of of Mother God and Christ Song Sang Hong, who are no gods at all. who is no Christ at all. Who who is? They were deceivers and liars. And they and and Mother God, who lives in Korea, uh, this lady is a deceiver. She's a liar, and and uh, she is not God. And I guarantee you, she will die in a few years, and you will see that she is not God. This woman is 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 on a track toward death, like every other mortal human being is. She is not God. She cannot save you, but there is one who can save you, right? And that's Jesus. And that's the verse you just said, which I think a great one to close on is Acts. It's actually Acts 4.12, where it says, there is no other name under heaven by which men can be saved except that which is named, which is Jesus Christ. And so there's one name, and that's not the name um, of mother, Zong Gil Ja, again, is, is this lady, this Korean lady's name who is claimed to be mother God. Zong Gil Ja, that name cannot save you, but the name of Jesus Christ can and will. And so we're not trying to take away faith here. We're not trying to steal something good uh, to those who are maybe starting to enter into this church, but we're trying to point you to the direction that you're really wanting to go in, which is Jesus Christ who alone can give eternal life, Um, who alone can give living water, um, and who alone can satisfy your soul.
2: Can I lastly just say we're also not trying to dishonor or disrespect any person. People are equal, created equal in God's image. Ideas are not. (laughs) Ideas can be true or they can be false. They can be right. They can be wrong. We don't want to disrespect any person. Uh, We love the people. And honestly, I think any of us can say we were all there together that night uh, with the World Mission Society Church of God around some people. who It was fun to be in their company. Honestly, yeah. I, yeah. we had some good talk about probably 30 minutes before the teaching yeah. started. We were having a, a fun talk and fun. Yeah. And the guy, we're sitting by him. Man, I love that guy. He's a fun guy. I could probably hang out and do disc golf or something. I don't know yeah. what he likes to do. <laughs> but, um, but people are equal, but ideas are not. And, and you can't have two opposing ideas both be right uh in the same way at the same time so so we love we love people and um but either we're off or they're off <laughs> and uh and so test yeah. it and how do you know well you got to go back to the source of what you say uh is your source for truth so
0: yep so we're not this is an attack that's a good point i think that's important again which we want to emphasize is we're not out to attack people or individuals. Um, we're attacking a belief system that is false. We're attacking that false belief system. We don't wanna attack you people in the church. We don't wanna attack anybody in the church that's listening. This isn't about you. It's not your fault that you are led astray by this. You know, it's like deception is real and powerful. And so um, we're not attacking you, but we are attacking the the false beliefs.